Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. Any person who has the courage to look into their brain and question the possibilities is my kind of person. The resistance that the brain puts up to this process is remarkable. If you remember the motivational triad and its three components, it's seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. These are the driving forces of the primal brain, the base camp of the devil. Just in the name of conserving energy, the brain does not let you question what it is already efficient at thinking. It says, let me run on my programming and I will continue to churn out the same exact old stale results for you. It hates it when you put it under scrutiny. So people willing to get coached or learn self-coaching, my hat's off to you. MashaAllah, it requires a level of bravery that is not easily quantifiable and therefore often overlooked. People who are striving to improve their results, to improve themselves, they are doing strong, fierce work. It is not a walk in the park. It is not like a field of flowers and rainbows and daisies. But it is the work that we are sent on earth to do. So, besides improving your life in this world, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for these efforts in the afterlife, inshallah. If you feel inspired to learn to coach yourself, you can do that with my free download on the website, islamiclifecoachschool.com slash free. And with that gentle reminder, I hope you guys are excited about today's topic because I've chosen to talk about the opposite of love. What do you guys think the opposite of love is? If you guys answered fear, you are correct. Opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Today we're going to be discussing fear. (laughs) Kind of exciting, isn't it? Fear is a primal, the most evolutionary primitive emotion. It has kept us alive so far. And in light of this topic, I want to elaborate a little bit about the discrepancy between theory of evolution and Islam. I've touched on this topic before, but approaching it with a different angle today, I'm hoping to put some more questions to rest. Maybe you know this person who theorized this, and I'll quote some of his works and you see if it rings any bells. He said, animals engage in struggle for existing and for resources, to avoid being eaten and to breed. He also said, environmental factors influence organisms to develop new characteristics to ensure survival, thus transforming them into new species. Animals that survive to breed can pass on their successful characteristics to their offspring. So do you guys know who theorized this? If you said Al-Jahiz, you will be correct. You might have also said Darwin, which is true, but only his work came later, in a tune of a thousand years later. So Abu Uthman ibn Bahar al-Kinani al-Basri also known as Al-Jahiz, a Muslim writer-thinker and a polymath, born in 776 in Basra. He's the one who authored the passages I just quoted. Now compare this timeline to 1800s when Darwin came around and said the same thing. Al-Jahiz also wrote in his famous book, Kitab al-Haywan, The Book of Animals, Volume 468, Lice are black on the head of a young man with black hair, light on that of a hoary old man. He used head lice to study microevolution, to show changes from one generation to the next, in the same species. 
So in this case, he used the example of head lice. Ooh, every time I use that word, it makes me want to itch. <laughs> but that's the burden on my nervous system, not yours. That's my primal fear right there. <laughs> and I'll gladly keep it. Anyways, I digress. Coming back to the topic. Microevolution is basically a study of how one generation differs from the next. And scientists still use this technique, mostly with fruit flies. So when Darwin came along and said the same thing a little over a thousand years later, Muslims outright rejected it because there's no doubt in our tradition and much more heavily from the Ahadith that our tradition emphasizes that we came from Prophet Adam and Hawa So to connect this seemingly gaping hole between these two thoughts, I'm going to reference an article from Dr. Nazir Khan from Yaqeen Institute. The article is titled Human Origins Part 1 and 2. And for a relatively short article, it can be a dense read. But basically it says that consider that during evolution from monkeys, right when humans were supposed to have evolved from their parent species, he says, and I quote, God miraculously inserted the children of Adam. Then he gives an analogy of dominoes. He says, imagine that every change in species during an evolution represents a domino toppling over. But right when humans were supposed to emerge from Adam and Eve, عنهم, right when they were sent to earth, that domino was placed independently of the other dominoes that led up to this point. And that gave rise to the human race. And it seemed like it was all the same process all along. He says, and I quote, an onlooker arriving at the scene and surveying the evidence would surely conclude that this domino was affected by the exact same process that caused all the others to topple. So I've spent a bunch of time trying to reword this topic so we can all understand it. And he also goes on to say that this evolutionary gap between the domino that represents humans on this planet or the domino that led up to the point of the hominid evolving into something that looks like humans, the gap between these two dominoes is wider than one thinks. And he uses two examples for that. One is the development of language, which he uses as elaboration of meaning. No animal species is able to elaborate what they're thinking. And he uses an example of consciousness. These two factors alone cannot explain how humans evolved just by evolutionary theory alone. As an explanation, he also says, that one theory does not exclude the evidence in our tradition. It is a sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to link everything on this planet with each other. We are in close relationship to everything on this earth. So to consider the basis of evolutionary theory that we're related to hominids or apes or monkeys is not far-fetched. We just have to be able to contemplate science for what it is. Just a meaning of explanation. He says we are able to hold scientific facts here, we are able to observe and our belief and our faith as it is handed down to us in Quran and Sunnah. They are not mutually exclusive. We just have to work on bridging the gap. And if we are unable to bridge the gap, it's not because our tradition is wrong, astaghfirullah. It's because our observational capacity of intellect is still limited and we are still making new discoveries to find new answers and explanations. So when I address fear as an evolutionary force, 
I'm not excluding Islam. With this explanation, I had hoped to lay a strong foundation of how I approach my philosophy of coaching. So going back to the topic, fear as the most primal evolutionary force. It prevents us from taking action. It saved our lives once. Now in the modern world, it actually kills us. If we apply for a job or if we express our desire to marry someone, the rejection does not pose an actual physical threat. But based on our primal brain, that's exactly what it feels like. In this life, there are very, very few things that we genuinely need to be afraid of. Most of the things we are afraid of are not actually dangerous. Fear of loneliness, fear of abandonment, not making money, fear of failure, fear of vulnerability, fear of rejection. All of these fears prevent us from taking action. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous. Fear serves us in genuinely dangerous situations, no doubt about that. But most of the time this fear is being caused by a belief that is actually false. We never slow down to question it. Fear will actually serve us into avoiding heights so we don't accidentally slip and fall off. It serves us in avoiding walking into dark alleys during the night so we avoid getting mugged. It serves us when we lock the door behind us so our toddler doesn't run off into the street. It serves us when we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to avoid the punishment. When fear does not serve us is when it leads to panic and we lose our faculties to actually get out of the dangerous situation. And this is what's happening to most of us. We are so afraid of fear that we don't slow down enough to question the belief that's causing it. Fear of not knowing what we're afraid of is actually killing us, which is quite the opposite of why it was created. It was only created to take immediate action so it can save your life. You detect a threat, you run for your life. This was meant to be extremely short-lived. But let's say we engage in acts of worship where the primary fuel of these actions is fear. We are burning the candle on both ends. Fuel of worship should be love. Love of serving the creation. Love of obeying Allah. Love and gratitude for your life. If you're only praying because you're afraid of the outcome of what will happen to you if you don't, then you'll burn yourself out. This negative emotion is not created to be a constant source of fuel of action. It was created to be a warning sign to correct your action. If you miss salah, then you're going to be afraid of the punishment and correct your action for the next time. So like my coach says, these emotions are designed to serve as a reflex. Like we immediately withdraw our hand from a hot stove. That's what fear is supposed to do. It serves to immediately put us into corrective action. And then it should go away. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then you've got some coaching to do. Remember when the fear doesn't go away, it is because our unevolved, primitive self houses shaitan. He wants to bog you down with the weight of these heavy emotions until you burn out. And then he makes such a compelling case that you must be afraid to survive. Any evidence to the contrary doesn't even seem true. In cases like this, in an effort to rescue ourselves from shaitan's grip, we say to our primal selves, Thank you. I hear what you're saying. I understand that you're protecting me from what you think is a dangerous situation. But now, if I continue to be afraid, you will actually kill me. Because now when I'm afraid, I overeat. That's surely not healthy. Now when I'm afraid, I turn into a workaholic to keep my mind occupied. 
I stress out. I act like a control freak. I put my children into a bubble wrap so they're not exposed to the elements of life just to keep them safe. You tell your primal brain, thank you for offering me all of that. Thank you for warning me. I know you think you're doing me a favor, but I know better. That shaitan is going to feed you this fear so you live your entire life under this effect. And in the end, he's going to wash his hands off of you and say, it's written in the Quran, Surah Ibrahim, 14, Ayah 22. The Satan will say, when the matter will have been decided, Allah promised you truthful promise, while I gave you a promise and did not fulfill it. I had no authority over you, except that I invited you and you accepted my call. So do not blame me, but blame yourself. Neither I can come to your help, nor can you come to my help. I disown your associating me with Allah in the past. Surely, there is a painful punishment for the unjust. Okay, this is scary, which is the correct use of the fear, by the way. We will live our entire life under the command of someone who will throw us under the bus in a split second. Most of the people of the world go to their graves never knowing there was another way to live. Do this work to come out of the grip of shaitan. And by the way, when I say the grip of shaitan, I do not mean that it's going to tempt me to go to a bar and start drinking or mug someone for their money. It's going to tempt me to blame the teacher for poor quality of her education. It's going to tempt me into thinking that my house is inadequate. It's going to say, maybe I don't lower my gaze this one time. It's going to be very tempting for me to agree with someone who is telling me, did you see her with all of those purses? I mean, she shows up to each party with a new designer bag. Who does she think she is? <laughs> and my inner shaitan will say, yeah, she acts bougie, you're right. <laughs> the grip of my shaitan is that it's going to want me to gossip. It's going to tempt me to pass judgment on others, on my circumstances. It's not going to tempt me to rob a bank because it knows I'm not that desperate. Alhamdulillah. But it also knows my weaknesses. My weakness as a human being is irrational fear, fear of conflict, so I people please until my life becomes unrecognizable, fear of desperation, so I micromanage. We have to become smarter than that. When you're acting from fear because you're acting under the grip of shaitan, you will create an extremely stressful experience of life. And in our mistake, as it is fed to us, we start calling that mental illness. So I offer you that you act from the opposite of fear, which is love. Make love as the driving force behind your action that keeps you safe and is a much higher evolved power. It is much more sustainable and healthy compared to the self-righteous appearing force of fear. Brain is going to say, don't walk into the dark cave. And we say, thank you brain, yes, that keeps me safe. But the brain will also say, don't apply for a job because rejection in an interview will absolutely mean death. Just a little use of the faculty of your intelligence will tell you that that's actually not true. Nobody dies because they didn't get a second interview. That's just not a real threat. Apply for the job and face the rejection of the interview, knowing that you will not die and you're actually doing it out of love. Love for making halal money. Love for growth. Love for being able to provide for your family. Love for supporting yourself. Your experience will be so much more joyful and serene, and the results will be longer lasting. Thank you, forces of evolution, <laughs> but I've got this from here. 
I will question and unearth my beliefs that are causing me pain, and I will debunk them, even if it takes me rest of my life. And I will do that through coaching and self-coaching. Brain will say, don't make more money than your husband. What will people think? That's very disrespectful. I will say, thank you, primal brain. Thank you for inflating that fear out of proportion. But what you're actually offering me is simply not true. I can make more money because I want him to retire. I can make more money because I can. Because I have the resources to. Because I have the support. I have the freedom. And because I love him and my family. Use the fuel of love instead of fear. The opposite of love is not hate. It's fear. Brain will say, go to the pantry and eat all of the cookies and cupcakes. Because you're afraid of a minor discomfort that came from preparing for a meeting. Or a hard day at work. Or worrying about your college tuition. Or finding out that your teenage child has a girlfriend. And that means that you failed as a mom. We say, thank you brain. None of these events will kill me. Nothing to be actually afraid of. But eating the cupcakes and being 100 pounds overweight will actually kill me. Most of us are afraid of unpleasant emotions when there's nothing actually deadly about them. We are literally killing ourselves and ruining our relationship with others by being self-righteous about it. Then there's also racism, which stems from the fear of the other, the unknown. A white woman calling 911 because a black man walked by. Or one time, and this is a true story, I was walking in my hospital building at work at 11 p.m. to see a critically ill patient. And I was told by a man, don't blow up the building. And then he laughed and walked away. Like my hijab and the time of the night made him afraid of something unknown. Something he has seen on TV, but he tried to hide that fear under humor. In my head, I was showing up in the best act of service I know. To stabilize an ICU patient that needed my help in the middle of the night. But he was acting from the most primal of emotions. Fear. Choose the opposite of fear. This force of fear is more prevalent than we recognize. Life has to be about unlearning a lot of these old patterns. Unlearning fear and learn love. Get extremely educated about how fear feels in your body. What are the sensations associated with it? Because you will not recognize fear with rational thinking. You will only be engaging in all of the avoidance behavior, not being able to pinpoint where it's coming from, unless you learn the sensations that fear causes in your body. Describe the fear in these terms. Is it prickly? Is it moving? Is it colorful? Describe it in sensations in terms of fear, touch, smell. Does it have a texture? Does it have an odor? Some people even taste their emotions. All emotions can be broken down into sensations. So always remember, all emotions carry sensations, but not all sensations carry emotions. What sensations does fear bring you? Compare that to the sensations of love. Practice it. Learn it. Study it like a textbook. Your exam of life depends on it. To avoid a moment of discomfort from fear, we end up creating a lifetime of it. Uncomfortable emotions are inevitable. I'm sorry to break it to you especially when it comes to personal growth. But we turn to pleasurable food and other avoidance activities just so we can buffer against this discomfort. We are terrified of the uncomfortable emotion because we think it's going to be there forever, which is why we don't go after what we dream. But really, none of that needs to be true. Imagine this example. 
As a mother, if you're living in perpetual fear of swimming pools because you're afraid for the safety of your kids, that is for sure going to turn you neurotic at some level. Instead, try on love. You have so many possibilities. From love, you can put up a fence around the swimming pool because you love your child and he doesn't know how to swim yet and you want to keep him safe. Or you can teach him swimming. Or you can buy a house that doesn't even have a pool. But if you did all of that and you happen to visit a friend that has a pool, then keep your child on a leash because you know he's hyper and he will sneak off running. <laughs> there are so many options to choose from, all out of love. You don't have to stay afraid. Most of us are living in perpetual fear. That is shaitan's trick, your primal self. I want to invite you to live in perpetual love instead. When you avoid doing something because you're afraid of the fear, you contain yourself and you cushion yourself as much as you possibly can. Guess what you're actually doing? You're creating more and more fear. Imagine a person hiding under the bed, not willing to get out because she is afraid of what she'll have to face when she's outside. She's trying to avoid fear, but all she's actually creating is more fear. This is the deception we create for ourselves. We are thinking that continuing to be afraid keeps us safe when it actually just keeps us fearful. Instead of fear, try on love. Love of exploration, love of growth, love of Jannah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises you that lies on the other side of this work, inshaAllah. Love of ibadah and worship. Love of being the servant of God in a way that fulfills your life's purpose, not in a way that shrivels you up and leaves you to wither away in a corner. If you hold any level of rejection to the ideas I present in this podcast, especially when it comes to Islam's I totally respect that. But please allow for a possibility of what else might be true other than the life you're currently living. And see if you want to change something. Question it genuinely. And if you do find something that you want to change, this podcast is here for you. And if you have suggestions for other topics, please feel free to email me at team at islamiclifecoachschool.com Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan is perfect for all of us. Alhamdulillah for our resources and our faculties to understand this design. I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for my ability to do this work. So then in turn I can present it to you. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this podcast changes the lives of the masses inshallah. Leave me a review on your podcast platform of choice so that more people can find this message. And please don't forget to keep me in your du'as. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.